0: the can ancient prophecy that will soon be fulfilled, will be revealed, will grip your soul. The truth will inspire you about love and hope will lift you up to follow your faith.
1: Amen. As the video said, we are coming up on the Easter season in just two weekends. We are having our huge Easter production. It's all new this year. New songs, new acting. It's going to be a wonderful time for all of us to be together. We want to make sure that you are inviting your friends and your family. Of course, we got our invitation cards out at the welcome desk. Grab you a stack, take them, pass them out at work when you're at the grocery store, wherever you go. And uh, we're going to pack the place out, and we're going to make a difference for Jesus. Amen. This coming weekend, we want you to know that uh, we are having our Easter egg hunt. It's for ages 0 to 12, and uh, it is going to be a wonderful time here at the church coming up. And it is at uh, 1130 as pre-registration, and then at 12 o'clock is when the Easter egg hunt is. And uh, we are blowing it out, 13,000 eggs, all kinds of different age groups, tons of stuff going on here, and uh, you can register at 1130, and of course, if you're still able to help us out with some candy, we will take that out in the lobby, you'll see a a nice little display in a basket, you can drop some candy in, we're still interested in that, and if you can bring somebody, that would be wonderful. With that being said, if you would stand up, we're going to welcome each other to church today, we're going to get out in the aisles, hug next, give some high fives maybe, and welcome each other into the house of God.
0: This joy that I have, the world
2: give to me. The world
0: can't take it away Amen, give him praise
2: Yes, amen
0: you praise you, Lord thing is worked out in advance. If you would like to have hands laid on you and anointed this morning, right now is the time. Right now is the time to come. If you have a need in your life, you're not coming down, but you want us to pray for it, if you would just raise your hand. God, through your blood, give healing to each in every one of these needs this morning. Father, we place them in your hands. Lord, we know with confidence we can trust in you, Lord. We praise you. Are worthy sing that one more time
2: worthy
3: this morning for the grace of god that's sufficient aren't you thankful this morning for the sacrifice of the son of god that's sufficient sufficient to save it's sufficient to restore and redeem i'm thankful that i'm reconciled to the lord god through the sacrifice of his one and only son the lord jesus christ amen i pray in the season before you're seated just now In the season that we're in, it's so exciting to to be reminded of what Jesus has done. I know that sounds sad and sounds a little pathetic a little bit, but it's true. Sometimes in our churches all around, and I'm thankful not in this one, sometimes we forget about what Jesus has done, but I'm thankful for a constant flow and a constant reminder of God's grace to us through His Son and the sacrifice He made at the cross. Amen. You can be seated this morning. What an incredible um, day and weekend it's been. A beautiful day it's going to be today. And an awesome time to see you uh, in God's house this morning. I wanted to read from Malachi chapter 3. It says, it says in verse 10, very familiar, it says, Bring the whole tithe, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. It says that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Isn't it amazing what God can do with obedience? Isn't it miraculous sometimes what God does through obedience? I have a father-in-law right now that that stumbled out of high school. He, he barely made it out of high school and worked three jobs for years and years and years. Somewhere along the line, he got saved. And he believed in, in the tithe. He believed that it was obedience. He believed what God said. He, he took God at his word and tested him. And he, he began to tithe. And, and before long, he, he got a dream in his heart. Somebody needs to hear that. As he obeyed, God put a dream in his heart. Something that God could use to not only bless his family, but the, the kingdom of God. And he opened this so many years later. Started in a storefront. And he continued to tithe. He continued to be generous on all occasions when he could. And over time, that storefront grew into two storefronts, and then three storefronts, and then, then a, a gym they used, they rented out. And, and before long, a 25,000 square foot, it may be more than that, a bigger store opened up. And we went over there and prayed and anointed the place before he opened it up. And the Lord gave a word, a, a prophetic word, a, or I should say a message in tongues a, and an interpretation and said, this is a gift. This is a gift for your obedience. I want to tell you something, that this is the truth as I stand here. There's not been one day that increase hasn't happened in the thing that God put in his heart. And I believe with all of my heart, you'll talk to him. Some of you have met him. He's an awesome guy, smart guy. Even the wisdom he, he tells you that he has is from God because he obeyed God. And God fulfilled his promise in him, and now he can bless others and be a blessing. God blesses obedience, and he'll bless yours doesn't matter how broken you feel like you are or unable to, to do anything. God, if you'll obey, we'll, we'll take you to a place where you can be a blessing to the kingdom and you can bless your families. Amen. Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for the word that's true. Thank you for the word that's eternal. Thank you that it's far beyond our wisdom, God. We we don't need to lean to our own understanding, God, or, or pundits here and pundits there who say that we should not do this and it's ceased. God, I, I believe and know, Lord, I'm blessed today. Because, Lord, we have honored you in this, in this tithe. And, Father, help us, God, today even to be generous. God, when you lead us and guide us, we love you and we praise you. Put obedience in our heart. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This morning. Lord we praise you.
4: Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Do you have that in your heart? Do you, while we were singing, and I was feeling the presence of the Lord while we were singing that, and I just thought, you know, our King, he said, may our King be lifted up. The Bible says, if we lift him up, he'll draw all men unto him. All we got to do is just lift the Lord up. We lift him up in our testimony. We understand the very first lifting was when he was lifted to the cross. But as we lift him up in our testimony, and our, our witness, our life begins to show forth the glorious salvation power that he's brought to us. Man, I tell you, that's what speaks to the people around us. That's what speaks to the world around you. That's what will speak to the, the lost out in this world, your family and my family, those in our community. It's when they see the love of God that's in our hearts. There's an old song, old song by a group called Truth way back in the day. I've never forgotten the song because it was a song that, in the middle of the verse. It says, they'll know the tomb is empty when they see that our hearts are full. They'll know the tomb is empty when they see that our hearts are full. Would you, right where you are, just take just a moment if you feel comfortable. Would you just stretch your hands up or or just close your eyes or just in meditation somehow between you and the Lord right now. Would you just help me to appreciate his presence that's here in this place and lift him up. His name high and holy. Lord, we honor you and we praise you and we thank you this morning for the gifts of mercy and grace in our lives. And Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise, Lord, with our songs We give you praise lord with our gifts and lord we thank you that lord you've touched us in our lives and we give you praise with our life the way that we live out our lives so we give you honor today and we thank you for your presence that is here in jesus wonderful name amen amen if you turn with me in your bibles to luke chapter 15 i'm going to read from the scripture verses 1 through 10. So we're preparing and getting ourselves ready for Easter, excited every week that it just gets closer and closer. Probably one of my very favorite times of the year is Easter. As I told you last Sunday, the flowers look different, the sun looks different, feels different outside. It just speaks to me of new life. How many of you have experienced new life since you've come to know Christ? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? That's a testimony in and of itself and i certainly have to and i'm so thankful for him while you're turning in your scripture i want to read a mike K is, is here in the building this morning our senior adult minister and he's gonna tomorrow on april seventh at the rave motion picture theater at the dayton mall he's taking the seniors uh, to see god is not dead The movie starts at 1:30. And the bus will leave the church at one if you have any questions you can see mike or rebecca Tran. so they're leaving and i'm sure if you're uh... If you're, uh wanting to go, that you could get here and slip on the bus and they'd never know it. You know, you could, you could go with them, I'm sure. Let's look at the scripture in Luke chapter 15. As we look at the message entitled this morning, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. Listen to this first verse especially. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Imagine that. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing, rejoicing, When he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise shall joy be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either that woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she find it. When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, the Lord said, There is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents. Amen. Would you pray with me now for the reading of God's word and the message this morning. Father, as we come before you, We thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy that chases after us, that looks for us, that searches for us. I thank you for the peace that we can know in our own hearts because we've been found. We give you honor and we give you praise as you speak today through your servant and by your Holy Spirit. And we're challenged today to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, this scripture goes on and Jesus shares what we know as the parable of the prodigal son. And when you look at, at, at all of this, this parable, it it really is talking to us about a message. It just simply says to those people, as they were looking on and looking at Jesus, they were they were asking the question, why, why is he hanging out with all those people? Here we are, the Pharisees and the scribes. We're the religious folks. Why is Jesus spending so much time with what they would consider to be, you know, the lost. And Jesus went on to look at them and couldn't believe their own mouths. He couldn't believe what they were saying. He wanted to share with them and show them some principle, the principle of the kingdom that we need to constantly remind ourselves of because at times it can be that we forget. We get locked up in our own mentality of what the church is all about and we forget that Jesus Christ is on mission. The Bible says the only reason he came was to save, to seek and to save that which is lost. He's looking for his coins. He's looking for his sons and daughters. He's looking for his lost sheep. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing through the church. That's why we exist. We're not here to just pat each other on the back and shout, have a good time, sing a few songs, and have good church and walk out and go to freshes. We're here on mission given a mandate from the Lord in, in Matthew chapter 28 that we are to be a light to the world, that we're to go out into all the world and to find them, teach them all the things that we've learned and the things that we've experienced, making disciples of all nations. And Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the world. He's making it very clear that he loves us. And as I've preached many times, the awesome thing about the Lord, contrary to people, is that Jesus loves unconditionally. He'll never love you any more than He loves you right now. You know, I hope you don't ever get old, or don't ever get old when I say that phrase. I know I've quoted it a few times. Sister Murphy, I may have said it maybe 10 times in the last year alone, and I'll probably say it 10 more. Because every now and again, Sister Thomas, somebody needs to know that Jesus loves them. That he loves them now in this moment as much as he ever has since the day he was born. He'll never love you anymore and he'll never love you any less. He loves you the same. He's unconditional in his love. That concept blows me away because, you know, all throughout my life, whether it was in school with teachers, I'll never forget a teacher that, that, you know, I was back in the day uh, when Padlin was in school I got paddled by a teacher, and she broke my heart. Forget the paddle. I was more broken on the inside that she, you know, didn't like me anymore, that I wasn't a good boy. I was in second grade, and I I couldn't believe that she had done that, and it affected me for life. No wonder they kind of removed that from school, because I think I'm still dealing with it. I need a counselor. But she, she didn't realize what... What that meant, it, it was more that I was brokenhearted, that she was displeased in me. And we learn these lessons, you know, all throughout life. Sometimes even our parents will say, you know, you be a good boy. If you don't, if you be a good boy, I'll do this. Or if you don't, if you're a bad boy, if you do this. And we spend our whole lives trying to be good enough. We're raised and we're trained to be good enough. So it's no wonder that before God we have a hard time really understanding that he loves us the same. He's always the same. Somebody says, yeah, but you know I've been serving the Lord now for 20 years, so I know the Lord loves me more. No, he doesn't. He did not love you one bit more now than he ever did before. His love is so amazingly pure and unconditional that he doesn't love you anymore. That's not to say that you're not doing a great job. It's just... Saying that he can't love you any less than he already does. He loves you, as I saw in a phrase the other day at Myers. he loves you to the moon and back. He loves you unconditionally. I have a little saying with my nephews and nieces, all 28 of them. I say, who loves you? And they say, Uncle Ray. And I say, how much? And they always go like this. Every one of them, no matter how old they are, some of them are in their 20s. And I asked my nephew, Brandon, the other day, I said, Brandon, who loves you? Uncle Ray. And I said, how much? And he goes, <laughs> he puts his head down, and he knows, and then he hugged me. But it was like, what that means is I told him when they were really little, really little, I'd get him, and I'd get him on my lap, and I'd say, okay, now listen, Ray, Uncle Ray loves you this much. My love starts right here. And it goes that way. And it goes all around the entire world. And by the time it finally comes all the way back around to this side, you drop this and it keeps on going. I said, my love never ends. And so they're always, their eyes are huge. And they're like, I'm like, how much do I love you? And they're like, so it's always just, I know that's very weird, but that's something for my family. But Jesus loves us that much. He loves us that much never ends, never stops, and I was driving in the car, I didn't have this even in my notes, and I was thinking about the message this morning, and I was driving to church, and the Lord spoke to me in my car, and he said, do you know why I, I told the parable of the, the, the lost sheep, and, and then I told the one about the coin, and then I went into the story of the son, he said, do you know why I chose to illustrate that parable, that my love, do you know why I did it three different ways? And I was like, you were trying to get your point across. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I love you as a sheep. I love you because you're my creation. I love you because you're my people. I love you because you were made in our image. I love you because you're my creation, because you were born. He said, and then I love you like a coin because you are so valuable to the kingdom. You're priceless to me. I gave my life and my blood for you. He said, you're valuable to the work I have you to do in the kingdom, the assignments, the tasks that I have for you. He says, and I love you like a son, because even when you fail, even when you fall, and you stumble as a child of God, my love is never ending. He said, so I love you three ways. I love you three times. Man, I'm in the car on the way to church this morning, and I'm weeping. I'm like, oh, man, Lord, I didn't even get to write that down. He loves you and I. Whether it's a sheep or a coin, it's valuable. Jesus is saying to the lost people, and I love the the attitude because, you know, so many people in the world, they mix up the fact that there's been... You know, they, they say stuff like they don't like church or they don't like Christians. They, that's why I don't mess with Christians. That's why I don't go to church. We hear these arguments all the time. And, you know, and sometimes I stand up with them. And I'm like, yeah. Because I've seen so many fakes and phonies and hypocrites. People call themselves one thing and live another. Don't get me wrong. I don't defend that. There's too much power and there's too much love, there's too much mercy. In the presence of God Almighty, there's too much that's been paid for you and I, for anybody to live their life faking it. So I stand with the world and I say, man, it's a sorry thing. that There's got to be so many hypocrites, liars, and cheaters in the family of God when he is so awesome and so real and so powerful. And if they would just lay down their games, they'd find it out for themselves. It says in Luke 15 and 1, the very first verse, if you caught it, it said, then drew near unto him all the publicans, tax collectors, all the busybodies, the merchants and sinners, for because they wanted to hear him. It says, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners, for to hear them, for to hear him. They were hungry, they were searching. They were listening. There was something about Jesus that drew them in. You've heard it said before, and I I didn't create the phrase, but it's true. People don't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with the church. Sometimes that's so true, but we're striving, aren't we? Here at Stratford, we're striving with all that's within us to truly be authentic and real in every way, to experience and encounter God, to embrace Him for real in our lives so that we have a salt in our flavor and we have a light for the darkness around us that we literally are an example and a witness to the world that He's real. It's so important that we live that out in front of people when we've experienced it in our own lives. They were drawn to him. He was charismatic. There was things about him, his, his humor, his personality. Little children loved to, to be around him. He was amazing. When, when the children were around him, the disciples were quick to cry. If you remember, to kind of, you know, chide them a little and punish them a little and tell them to get away. But Jesus looked at him and said, suffer the little children to come. In other words, don't prevent the little children to come unto me. Because of his love, They was sought out. It wasn't until the religious system, it wasn't until all of the religious people got in the way and muddied the waters that Jesus, his own reputation, began to be scarred. He was sought after. People flocked to find him. They followed him from town to town. He was always on a hillside somewhere with lots of folks surrounding him. He was always there, and people were seeking him out and hungry for the words that he spoke. They listened to him talk about the kingdom. It was foreign to them. Most of the rulers, most of the governors, the princes, the kings that were around them, they lived in seclusion. You couldn't go near them. You couldn't get close to them. They would ride down through town with their guards. and They were never approachable in any way. But here is this guy talking about the kingdom. This man who claims to be the son of God, he is telling them about a God who loves them and comes down off of his throne. A king of all kings, his throne room, More majestic than any king on earth, his presence more powerful than any governor anywhere, and yet he was saying, I will leave my throne to come to you. Amazing. They couldn't get it. No one could get an audience, not even family members. You remember the story of Esther when she was trying to to know what to do, and Mordecai, her uncle, said, You've got to go in under the king. This is her husband. And she feared for her own life. You know the story. She didn't want to go in there because by law you couldn't. It was decreed that you couldn't even walk into his presence. You couldn't go into his chamber unless he bid you to come. And if you did, you did in peril of your life. Many people would be killed because they tried to talk to the king. But, oh, we have a king that says come boldly before the throne. Come boldly before the throne of grace and find mercy in your time of need. Here are these publicans and sinners hearing this king of kings talk about his compassion and his love and a God who loves them in spite of everything around them and anything they've ever done. A high priest, the Bible calls him, yet touched with the feelings of our own infirmities, this king. That's why people couldn't get it. They, could, they either loved him or hated him because he, he absolutely offended the system of religiosity, but at the same time he appealed to the hearts and lives of sinners. That's why... I preach a a gospel that that says Jesus is authentic and he loves us. And and that's why you hear me. A lot of times I I read the word and I've read it over and over and over again. And what I find, Peggy, so much throughout this word is that Jesus spends a lot of time loving sinners. Instructing and correcting Christians, church people. He spends a lot of time reminding us that we're supposed to love. That we're supposed to reach out. That there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. He spends a lot of time correcting the church. It's no wonder. And so here we are this morning as we look into this Beautiful picture of Jesus. No closed doors, no entourage around him, no bodyguards to protect him. He makes himself available. He says, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1. It says, oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price anyone who thirsts. You remember the woman at the well who he stayed. He was there to meet her at Samaria when she came by the well, and he was there reaching out to her. Jesus is always found reaching out to folks, being kind and giving, loving them, serving them. He doesn't sit back in a a judgmental, condemnatory attitude or critical of them. He doesn't look and try to judge them and condemn them and put them in prison. He doesn't try to do that. He comes to seek them and find them and search for them and love them and find in their hearts a place to touch where mercy can finally be realized. This is Jesus. And this is what the church is, the real church. We're told the children would come around him. The rich would climb up in trees just to get a glimpse of Women would seek him out in the crowd, one in particular who wanted to wash his feet with her oils and wanted to dry his own feet with her own hair. The Pharisees were not all bad either. Some of them found their way to his truth and their lives were changed forever. Prison guards laid down their swords. Centurions bid him only speak the word and it would be done. Sinners came to him by the thousands, the sick, the lame, the lepers, they came to him. Over and over and over again, people were drawn to Christ. That's what Easter is all about. That's what the resurrection is really all about. He went down into the caverns of hell, and he pulled out the keys to death, hell, and the grave. We hear the sermons preached, but know what that simply means. It means he went and took out all of the things that would crucify and kill and destroy God's creation and bring new life to them, bring salvation to them, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. He's accessible. He's accommodating. He's forbearing. He's forgiving. He's unrestricted. He's always within reach. You can talk to him right now, and you'll find him. He says in Jeremiah, search for me with all of your heart, and I will be found of you. Ask, seek, and knock. And the door will be open to you. This is Jesus. He's got an open door policy. He loves you and I. He's always concerned about the people, about their needs, personally interested in them as a person. He was always seeking them out, listening to them, loving them. This is Jesus. This is what, what you're being drawn to this morning. That's why you've come into God's house. Because Jesus is an awesome, wonderful God who loves you. Try to call your congressman. Try to get an appointment. Try to talk to them in person. Why don't you call the White House this afternoon, see if you can get an appointment next week to go and speak with the president, perhaps the vice president, perhaps some secretary in the hall. Celebrities, forget it. TV preachers, forget it. Even Doug Dynasty. We called to have them come to Family Fun Fest and it's $45,000 for a 20-minute appearance will watch you on TV important people can't be reached but not so with the lord he says come 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 unto me those that are thirsty he's the champion of all kings he's the celebrity of all celebrities he's the most important in all the world and he says come telling you what this is an amazing truth that's why the gospel touches lives by the millions around the world because he's not just a God in name only. He's not some statue in some temple somewhere that can't be touched. He's not a God. You got to fulfill a whole list of do's and don'ts in order for you to hopefully receive in the life hereafter. He's a Jesus. He's a son. He's a father. He's a, a friend that sits closer than a brother. He wants relationship, not religion. He wants to know who you are. Paul said that I may know him because it's possible because you can know him. That's what's amazing and awesome about him. An old song I used to sing it says he's higher than the highest, greater than the great. No one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest. He reigns from above. He's the all time undisputed, undefeated champion of love. He's never made anyone feel like they don't belong. They're not smart enough. Or they're not righteous enough. Every wall of partition, the Bible says he has blown it, he's destroyed it. There's no separation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. As a matter of fact, at his very death, the very veil that stood between you and I in that throne room, that grace, that mercy seat, that was completely ripped in two from the top to the bottom. This is the love of Christ. This is who he is. And he bids you and I to come. The Bible says he's our intercessor. You know, an intercessor's got to be available He's an advocate. It means he's a lawyer. He works for you. He he fights for you on your behalf. He looks to find ways that he he can touch your life and help you, even the lepers that were cleansed of the New Testament. He was one that they came to, they felt like they could come to. This is the Savior. This is who we serve. This is who we love. This is who we honor. This is who we sing about today. This is why you've come. This is him, and oh, everything else pales in comparison Religion can't compare, it doesn't hold up, it isn't strong enough. What's real is the powerful presence of the Lord. Knowing him for yourself and having the experience of him. You know, w- when you come up on a traffic accident, there, there are all kinds of tragedies in life. And you can come up on on, on something, something such as a, a traffic accident. And there will be three kinds of people there. There will be those that are just onlookers that are standing by. The witness, the people that want to see what's going on. and they're, You know, I, I love the way if there's a wreck on I-75 south, I-75 north is at a creep's pace. Because everybody wants to check it out. Everybody wants to see what's going on. There's always going to be bystanders. There's always going to be people looking on. Then there's another group. There's that one, the the policeman or the sheriff, the the people that have got to take down the notes and they've got to make observations and they got to measure and they got to decide who is at blame, who is at fault, and who is going to get the tickets and who's going to be the one that has to pay for the damages. And then there are those that come along in a nice big truck lit up and those are welcome at the scene because they're paramedics and they're there to help. They're there to pick up the wounded. They're there to bind them up and fix them up and get them to safety and get them to the hospital as quickly as they possibly can. They're there to rescue. It's the same, isn't it, in life. You got onlookers. You got people that just stand around, don't don't claim anything, don't do anything, they just want to see what's going on. You got onlookers who never really investigate or get involved in anything in life, and then you've got those that sit around and do nothing but take blame and take measurements and analyze and sit back and condemn and judge and pass out tickets and condemn everybody to hell. You got all those kind of folks standing around and they sit in every church, they sit everywhere you go, no matter where you are. They might even be your next door neighbor who's just watching over the fence to see your life and then you've got the paramedics you've got those those people that are literally on the prowl seeking who, who can they rescue who can they touch where can they go to be found meeting a need or bringing rescue or bringing relief bringing healing binding up at the end of the day my prayer has been lord make me a paramedic I want to be one, Lord, that gets involved, definitely. I want to be one that, that finds the trouble and the wound. And I don't care who's at fault. You know, when a paramedic gets to the scene, he doesn't care who caused the accident. He doesn't ask questions. Well, who made this mess? Or, who's the one to blame? But he doesn't do that. The paramedic just says, you know, I'll leave that to the doctors. I'll leave that to the judge. All I'm here to do is rescue. All I'm here to do is fix. All I'm here to do is wrap up where you're bleeding. I want to help. Oh, God, help us as a church to be a church that is on fire to be rescuers. Help us, Lord, to see and to know that that's our job, that's our mission. When I called to sit back on some throne, when I called to sit back in judgment over other brothers or sisters, that's not your job. Let God be God and you be the rescuer. You be the one that loves, that reaches out. Get off your throne and let Jesus be the one who brings relief to the world through you. When it comes to reaching the lost and the hurting, we need to be more and more like him. The Bible says there's more joy over one sinner coming to Jesus than over 99 other people being right where they're supposed to be with God. It's a day like today that we understand and we know, man, time is short now more than ever souls count and it matters what we do every service matters this service matters yesterday is gone the days of old are gone the revivals of clayton street are gone i get so tired of living in yesterday and living in people's memories of days gone by i know they were good i was in a lot of those services they were awesome and wonderful I love the old revivals of Perry Stone and Jensen Franklin that we used to have in our own church before they got too large to come to us. And I'm not condemning them at all. I love those brothers, believe me. I'm just saying, I know the heydays. I know the good days. I never heard D.A. Biggs preach, but I heard he was amazing. I knew Robert Graham was amazing. I knew Lane Sargent was amazing. He has been one man, one man. That in my life as a teenager who got close to me. I didn't have rich mom and dad. I didn't have tithes filling up the church accounts. I had nothing. But he reached out to me and he became a witness and an example to me. He loved me and he brought me in close. I had nothing to offer him. Yet he became real and authentic in my life. And a mentor that to this day, to this day, is as close to me as a father could ever be. There have been real and wonderful people in the past. It's all good. But I'm telling you right now, this moment, today, this is the most important song we'll ever sing. This is the most important message we'll ever preach. This is the hour. How many of you know Jesus is coming soon? This is, the, this is the hour. This is the midnight cry. This is the time when we need to make it count as more than ever before. It's not a time to sit down. Not a time to give up. It's not a time to lay back. It's a time as never before to be on fire. You say, well, I did my time back in the day. I'm telling you, it wasn't nearly as important then as it is now. We're in the last minutes before the coming of the Lord. We're in the last days. We've got to be about the Father's business. We've got to rise up and allow the work of the Spirit to be alive in us. Someone looked for you. Someone took time for you. Someone reached out and loved you and had compassion on you. Some folks are in your life. They're in your life everywhere. They know all about you, but they don't know about your Jesus. You've worked with them and you've bought from them and sold to them you you've done business with them for 50 years 20 years 10 years do they know you about your Jesus I was sitting with the lady who cuts my hair she's cut my hair for 10 years and while she was cutting my hair I kept sitting there I married her and her husband I've got a good association with her she don't go to our church but I've come you know made a good association with her and her husband Jason and through the years I've been there and I've been a friend she's you know, at, told me at times to pray for different needs, but I was sitting there the last time I was with her, and I said, Oh my goodness, you know, while she was cutting my hair, I thought, You know, we've talked about church. We, they even asked me to marry them, and, and, and I've, I've been a light, I've been a witness to them, but I sat there, and I sat there, Connie, and over and over and over again, the Lord said, But you've never really told her about the gospel, you've never really asked her about her soul. And I sat there and I sat there and I thought, well, she'll either never want to cut my hair again or she's going to butcher me up real good in just a minute. I looked at her and I said, you know, do you know the Lord? I said, I'm not asking if you go to church. I said, but do you know the Lord? I called her by her name and she was like, you know, I knew you were going to do this one day. I said, I just want to make sure you know that he loves you and that I come to you because I think you're pretty special too and I want you to know the Lord is there for you and if you ever if you ever want to talk more about it if you ever want him I'm telling you he's right there all you got to do is just talk to him tears in her eyes she says I know that she goes I've watched you for a long time she goes I believe that he's real you know that was the seeds planted I didn't go in an evangelistic crusade right there I just laid the groundwork for more conversation. Have you talked to your milkman? Have you talked to your mailman? Have you talked to that that guy you've worked with? Have you been led by the Spirit to share the most beautiful news in all the world that they can be saved for eternity? Have you shared the gospel with them in a non-offensive way? You don't have to cram it down their throats. Have you ever shared with them that most important message that's changed your life? Just stand with me this morning? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I would ask the question, do you know him for yourself? Do you need him this morning? Beautiful crowd here this morning. Is there anyone that would say, with head bowed and eyes closed, so that it's a private and personal moment, if you're here and you just need things to be right between you and the Lord you just want that this season this time in your life if you want that we're going to pray a prayer in just a moment I'd like to include you in that prayer that just accepts Jesus into your life and makes it well your soul well with him if you're here and you'd pray that prayer this morning would you slip up your hand and right back down just a few moments I'll wait if you're here and you'd pray that prayer right and I pray for all of us that we would genuinely have this desire that we would see a fresh and brand new the love of Jesus that we would experience him in great power in our own lives and our own witness that we would live out every day the love that he's given to us show him authentically to the world around us let's pray together father as we come before you lord we thank you today for mercy we thank you for grace we thank you lord for your love that reaches out to us that searches for us until you find us we thank you lord that we're valuable to you as creation that we're valuable as sheep lord as as those that have been just given life and made in your image we're thankful that you love us and value us lord we're also thankful for like a coin god we're valuable to the kingdom we thank you that you see the purpose and the potential of our lives that you paid the price for us we thank you lord for your love for us and how intensely costly it is and lord we thank you that as a son or as a daughter lord you love us enough to forgive us you love us enough to justify us You love us enough, God, that when we stumble and when we fall, it's not over. But God, you pick us right back up. We give you honor. We give you praise for love that never fails. For the power of God alive in our hearts today, may we genuinely share that same love to the people that you've trusted in our path, to the relationships we've been given, and may we truly send the light, God, from our own hearts out into a dark world with a message that Jesus loves them. In your name we ask it and we pray today. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.